Hello and welcome to another edition of the QPR podcast, Open All Ours. This week we have just the three of us, we're going to make it cosy because we're going to talk about lovely things like the QPR accounts and the game Saturday and delayed tubes, which seem to mess up a lot of people on Saturday, including myself, but I'm always late anyway, so I can't use that as an excuse. Anyway, Nell Rogers is with us. Hiya Paul, how you doing? I'm all right, I was doing okay until the accounts came out this week and then I had a quick dive into madness and we got... <laughs> Mr. Happy, as we call him, Phil is back. <laughs> Phil Happy the optimist. Phil. It's, Phil. Not e- it's not easy being optimistic at the moment, is it? Do you know, I've forgotten your surname. I'm so obsessed with calling you Phil, Mr. Happy. It's Crossman, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's O'Sullivan. How can you forget a good Irish name like O'Sullivan? Where do I get Crossman from? <laughs> I don't oh, know. I should start the podcast again, but I can't be honest. As long as you're not insulted, I'm good. No, it's very difficult to insult me. I used to watch the Sullivans when I used to be off school, actually, many moons ago. That's going back a few years, yeah. It is. Oh, Sullivan at all. Jesus. Anyway, now, can you do a quick introduction to the accounts and um, just take us up to where they're, they're done and everything else so, and put it in context for people like me to understand? Yeah, I'll try and, I'll try and do kind of a quick overview. We don't want to bore people to death. So That's my job. Um, <laughs> So basically, so these are for the year ending 31st of May 2022. So it's last May. Um, it was the last season for Mark Warburton. Um, we finished 11th. I think we won 19, lost 18. So it was kind of, you know, just in the balance. And um, yeah, and Mark went at the end of the season. Um, if anyone can remember right back to the start of that season, um, I think uh, there were a few interviews with, with Mark Warburton saying about um, how positive they were about the season coming up. They wanted, I think they were actually targeting a top six after the year before saying, or the couple of years before saying kind of, you know, we just want to kind of consolidate. They were actually saying they wanted a top six, I think, at the start of the season to the point that we had... Johansson, Austin, your device, Samfield, all who were loan players the previous season became permanent players. We bought in Odebaggio, we bought in Jimmy Dunn, um, Andre Gray and Sam Callum. So a lot of money spent there. Um, I think it was, you know, I say a lot of money. I think we actually spent about two and a bit million. But salaries went through the roof last year it was like four million pound increase so um so there was a lot of uh, a lot of extra costs coming in there but then the extra expectation as well and then in january we also bought in jeff Hendricks, who did really well and uh david Marsh. <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't resist yeah. um so I mean, you know, all things finance, what you're always doing is comparing everything to the year before. You're saying kind of, you know, how did we do? What did we do better? What did we do worse? So revenues were up. We were allowed to go back to the ground. The year before was COVID. So we had a massive increase in revenues of 
about seven and a half million. Um, unfortunately, that coincided with an increase in costs of uh, about 11 million. Um, mm. All in with, um, so about 10 million, sorry, with um, so what they call cost of sales, which is essentially kind of the thing, the money that you spend putting on a football match and being a football team and then admin costs, which are, you know, the money you spend on um, printing tickets and, well, not even that, uh, the money you spend on, I guess it would be... Administration. Administration, yeah. Um, I mean, to help with our big promotion push at the start of the year, you know, we had that big recruitment drive. We had an extra... 23 players on the books, or players, managers, and coaches. Um, we wow. increased our admin team by one. Um, uh, so all in. I think, uh, I think we decreased one of the teams. Oh, I don't know, check. Yeah, the football support staff went down by five. Um, so all in all, the staff increased by 20 to 191 staff to run the football club, basically. Does that include um, stewards and so on, or just actual QPR staff? No, no, no. So stewards are kind of as like those kind okay. of temporary workers come on extra, but that's permanent staff, basically. Okay. So that includes you guys in the community that include... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that comes youth. quite a lot. That includes, you know, any, you know, if, say, you've opened up uh, the under-12s down to under-8s or something, then it's everyone to staff that and look after that. So, I mean, it kind of it covers the whole host of things. Okay. And what, what that did is that put our wage bill up by three and a half million, as I said earlier, and increased the average average salary to £144,000 a year um, across the whole club. So that, you know, that that's from kind of your, your guy working part-time in the box office through to Charlie Austin, basically. So, you know, there, there, there's not many people that earn an awful lot, so it kind of skews the average quite a lot. Um, the stat that doesn't look pretty that we always hate is, like, you're looking at kind of your salaries to income. Any company that is reasonably normal, you want to be 60% maybe of salaries on, against income, probably less. Um, certainly where I work, it's a lot less than that. Um, QPR currently 125%. So the third year running has been over 100%. Um, which kind of makes it hard to break even. And last year, the only reason we, broke, we, we got close to breaking even was that 17.5 million from the Eze sale this year. No such luck. So, so we made a loss of... So making a loss this year of just under 25 million. So over the last three years, if you take those kind of raw figures over the last three years, we've lost 45 million. So we wow. all know profit and sustainability allows for 39 million over a roll in three years. There's, there's a lot of allowances over the last couple of years because of COVID. So, I mean, straight away, you can make an argument that you know, 5.6 million gate receipts we didn't get last year. So, you know, that gets 
added back in. You can't add all of it in. I think we were allowed an allowance of five million for COVID last year and a further allowance of two and a half million this year, although it's, it's going to be hard to argue to take much of that. So, I mean, you can, so bringing that five million in brings you to 40 million loss over the three years. And then once you have a, allowable deductions such as the academy, such as, um, you know, building, the training ground, any yeah. work you do in the stadium, things like that. You can, um, you know, you can bring it down. And I think, you know, a good, a good kind of ballpark is probably 15 to 20% of your costs are going to be disallowable over the season, which kind of, you know, which would bring us in, I think, around, you know, 30, 31 million loss over the three years for FFP kind of thing. But that essentially includes a season, last season, where we were very close to making a profit. So you fast forward a couple of years of 24 million loss, 24 million loss, 2 million a month, 2 million a month. Once you lose that 2021 good year, it's very, very quick that things get out of control and kind of you, you lose where you're going, which is why we've got people like Lee Hughes and Les Ferdinand to keep everyone under control ostensibly and to keep that kind of um, long-term plan and long-term vision, which a manager is never going to have. A manager wants everything now. But you need, you know, you need you need your financial director, you need your CFO, you need your CEO, you need your director of football to have that overall long-term strategy plan. Where are we going? What are we doing? It gets um, even it's even more depressing, Niall, when you when you listen to all that, when you see Lee Hoos today saying, actually uh, verbalizing it, that last season we had a real go at it. And they had a proper gamble at going up because they'd come ninth the year before. Wolverton was mm. saying, you know, the, the fans aren't stupid. We can't say we're trying to survive. You're trying to improve on the previous year. <clears throat> and they spent that money on Johansson and Charlie Austin and Device and Sam Fields. And we all knew that that was happening and they'd had a punt at yeah. it. But he actually said today they had a punt at it. Well, unfortunately, the, out, the upshot of that is a twenty-four million pound loss, and you're quite right because you had that year to the good year where we only lost four million because of Eze. Mm. Well, it can't, it can't carry on running like it is, or you'll be in breach of FFP very quickly. So, mm. un unfortunately, it's another thing to test your optimism because not only is the football dreadful at the moment, the team's awful, but there's got to be some serious house housework on that loss. And you know, one of the things that irritates me wildly on Twitter is the Twitter sphere of sign a striker and get rid of the owners and whatever. What a nonsense. These people are putting their hand in their pocket for two million pounds a month just to sustain us. You might be irritated with where QPR are, but oh my God, the last thing you want to do is hack the owners off because they're subsidising us two million pounds a month. We used to think it was one and a half or 1.8. It's two million a month they have to find to keep us afloat. I guess the, the, the counter argument to that, and I'm I'm not I guess that's what we gotta do as a host. I'm gonna I'm gonna blame that, I'm not gonna say, is are we spending the money wisely? Is the club I mean a, a word CEOs love to use and direct the football is is the club washing its face? 
well, clearly we haven't even got a flipping face cloth, have we? I mean, we're not <laughs> anywhere flipping near it. Um, so you kind of look at yourself. Because the, the way I look at it is, we, we when we had Lee and on the podcast a few weeks ago, hello, we got a bit of stick for not doing the right thing, asking the right question, they got all that. And then I looked at Lee was saying, I looked at what Les was saying, and it seemed to me that people at the club seemed to be falling over themselves to say, do you know what? Um, your man, we, we were we were tracing, we we were chasing Kenneth long before Bill came. We were doing this, we were doing that, and for the bad stuff, it's kind of like oh, just no one's putting their hand up and taking accountability for it. If that makes sense, everyone's fond of themselves to take praise for the things that go right, but we're not looking at the things that go wrong. Um, and I'm just wondering if the youth section is washing its face as it should be, as people in football speak to say, and. Are we just going to sustain loss in the youth for the better good? Therefore, we will go to category A or um, whatever they call it these days when we get the training ground up and running. Do you know what I mean? Now, is it is mm. is it feasible? Because the way the youth system works is that we spend we're spending millions, but anyone can take our best players for next to nothing, and therefore it, it damages the 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 program and the system they want to put in place. Am I seeing that wrong now, or is that fair enough? No, 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 that's right, isn't it? I mean, because we're cap two, people with cap one can come along, pay us, what is it, 350 grand or something obscene, and yeah. take anyone they want. They can, um, you know, come along and, and basically stand there and watch watch them training. It's, it's ridiculous. But, I mean, there is, you know, there is that kind of, you know, are you spending money now, going back to what Phil was saying about kind of intelligent spending, good spending, Sometimes yeah. it's good to make a loss. Sometimes, you know, you're, you know, you're doing it for the future. Something like the training ground, where you'd say that is really good spending. You know, the fans have chipped in seven or eight million. The owners have chipped in another ten million. It's kind, of, it's a really good kind of project that will ultimately improve things. And possibly. You know, possibly. And Possibly, depending who things, and it has no bearing on FFP. So it's kind of you know it's it's free buddy and it's you know you can you can do what you need to there. I think, I mean, I think one thing that I wanted to get onto quickly before we kind of divert too far away, or before we get too down in the dumps about what I've been saying, because although on reflect, you know, on on the face of it, it does look quite bad. There is context. There's the context of the league we're in. There's the context of what everyone else is doing. But the way we're going, we don't have everyone's accounts at the moment. We only have kind of five or six, like Norwich, which is particularly depressing when they have a salary bill of 118 million. Mm. You know, what can you do? But then, you know, our salary bill this year was 27.5, Millwall's at 22.3, Preston North End, 24 million, Middlesbrough, 28.5 million. So, I mean, that's interesting. There are teams that are performing well, who are spending the kind of money we're spending and have the kind of revenue we have. I mean, you know, no one, no one will, I mean, Middlesbrough's costs overall are pretty much exactly the same as ours. There's a few hundred thousand in it. Their turnover's slightly higher. They've got a slightly bigger stadium, I guess, but, you know, there or thereabouts. If you kind of go back to sort of the salaries where we've got all the information from last season, if you compare salaries, you know, we're, we're kind of spending the sort of money that Swansea are spending. Um, who else? 
So, no, so no, what are you, what, what are you saying? Because I'm listening to that thinking that we as fans know that things have gone pear shaped at the moment. Yeah. But you listen to that and you think they've gone seriously pear shaped. I mean, on my WhatsApp groups, QPR WhatsApp groups, I've said months and months ago, careful what you wish for, getting rid of Warburton. I never wanted to get rid of Warburton. No. Clearly, clearly, Beale came in, looking at it, looking back on it now, the snake in the grass that he was, he came in and within two or three weeks, he discovered the mess it was. He was talking about all these people he was going to bring in, discovered that he couldn't bring them in. He went out looking for another job within six weeks without a shadow of a doubt. No. That, but there was that Stoke story. Then he went to Wolves. Then he went to Rangers. He was jumping ship without a shadow mm-hmm. of a doubt. He'd done this big bullshit, am I allowed to swear, sales pitch on, lot, on, on, on lots of players. And th- there's something seriously cancerous about the club at the moment. And, you know, the players have downed tools and whatever. So when you hear those stories about, you know, not dissimilar wage bills to Millwall, Swansea, Middlesbrough, we're in a, we're in a mess, a real yeah, mess. Phil, the, the thing I'm thinking about with Wolverton, I mean, you know, I know what's happened now. When Bill kicked in, it was kind of like, well, do you know what? He's doing really well. Wolves took us so far. Next level. Then it all went wrong. Like for a reason, but you said he came in, seen the youth structure wasn't what he thought it was going to be, seen that the B team wasn't what he thought it was going to be, seen that we needed a whole lot of loans to fill out a squad that was still... I mean, it's interesting. Lee Cook said last week we were, we were punching well above our weight squad-wise with the players we had, mm. even with the loans we had, and the loans didn't really play off. Um and so on, and it's 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 it's. I don't know. I, I find it weird that you know we're having this conversation because I would have thought our budget was more in line with you know the teams at the other end of the table because we you know we we would keep you know we're told we're keeping a close eye on things. We're doing loans. We're investing in our youth. We're bringing players through. But then at the start of the season, we seem to have a panic attack and realise the squad's not Nico Hekalanum is not going to be a, a fullback, so we have to get someone else in, and we have to get someone. I mean that's. And every year it's 10 or 11 players in. That can't be good financially either now, can it? Bringing so many players in every season and so many going out and paying. We've actually paired players off again this year as well with Bourne and uh, Thomas. Yeah, well, it goes back. I mean, it's again, it's Phil's intelligent spending, isn't it? It's, you know, if you're buying a player for 1 million and selling them for 3 million, fair enough. You know, you don't have to sell everyone for 15 million. You just have to make it worthwhile. Then yeah. you can spend some money. But when you're spending... Two million quid on some dipshit that you play fourteen times and then ship off. Like, what's the point? You know, it's it's wasted. It's a waste of yeah. It's a waste of resources of which the club clearly. I mean, they, I guess we'd like to have more. We could have more with the owners we've got, but we're just we're just in that position where we're not willing to do what other clubs have done. You look at clubs like Stoke, Reading, who they've announced going to get another six point which um, could actually see us this season you've got Stoke you've got Birmingham I mean you've got some you've got some teams who are massively in breach of FFP massively like just from doing some kind of rudimentary sort of numbers you look at Stoke Stoke are about 100 million over yeah Niall it rather depends well, you know, carrot and stick. It depends how hard they hit the stick, doesn't it? Because if yeah, they get yeah. if they get a six point deduction, 
you know, and the owners have got deep pockets, maybe they're thinking, well, it, you know, as long as we're six points above relegation with this spend, it doesn't really matter. You know, you know, who was the team that had the 12 point deduction, went to arbitration, ended up down to nine points? I can't remember, but, you know, it, it's just very, very difficult. I've got mm. no gripe with Lee Hoos. I mean, he, he sounds a little bit like a beaten man at the moment, if I'm being honest, but yeah. he's done a brilliant job. And the owners, they're funding us, so you can't have a moan about them. I have to say, as much as he was a hero of mine when he's playing, and I've fully supported him all the way through, in the mess that we're in now, I really do question Les Ferdinand. I mean, I, I th this squad is just, is, is a shambles. It's absolute shambles. You know, how can we get to the beginning of the season and not have a fallback? How can we have spending all this money on the academy and not have a single player that can do anything? I hate having a go at Les Ferdinand, but, you know, it's very interesting. When we went to the Premier League, the person who I think has got away absolutely scot-free, who was atrocious, absolutely atrocious, it's because Fernandez was on his Twitter the whole time, was Philip Beard. We, yeah. we, we employed a CEO who was previously running the O2 or whatever he was. He knew nothing about football and he was the root cause of so much. Any decent CEO would have told the owners to get an absolute grip with the nonsense that was going on. Um, but, you know, I suppose we are where we are. But I, I have to say, I think it's unfortunate, but I think Les Ferdinand has got, has got quite a bit to answer for with the state of our squad at the moment. I think it depends. I see. We never get. I mean, now. I mean, I'm. Listen, I'm daft as a, as a, as a dog's horse, and but I, I never seem to get to the bottom of things at times when who brings him recruitment. You speak to one manager and they say this. You speak to, but it does seem that Les has full say and is supposed to stop overspending. So either Lee Hughes is saying we let Warburton go for it, then that's not on Warburton. That's on Les and Lee Hughes, surely. Well, but the I mean, other they, thing, so Finney, the other sorry. thing. You have to remember, the manager, it's a normal business. The manager reports to Les Ferdinand. So yeah. you, can't, you can't say that the manager signed X, Y, and Z, because he doesn't, because his direct report is Les Ferdinand. So everything mm. he does has to go for his boss, and his boss is Les. I just, I, just at the moment, I think the squad is in a terrible state. I wouldn't want to be Gareth Ainsworth. You know, and the other thing that comes down to Les as well now we now we know we knew at the time there was something going on behind the scenes of Warburton. It's such a it's such I was so unlucky that the season wasn't January to January because we were the best team in the division. We'd be in the yeah, yeah, yeah. We then collapsed. We knew that something was afoot. They got rid of Warburton. We found out afterwards that he wasn't. You know there was basically fractions all that throughout the club with the academy that everything he wasn't the future. So they put in Beale. He was an absolute charlatan. It made a lot of sense putting Critchley in because he's this development of youth and same style of football or whatever. Oh, my God. The, the madhouse that is QPR. To go from Critchley to Ainsworth, as much as I love Ainsworth and I desperately, desperately hope that it works, you couldn't get two more different people. I mean, there's no strategy there at all, is there? Well, it's funny because yeah, they no. said before, didn't they now, they said the strategy was to replace manager like for like and to do a kind of hit to say a Brentford and keep the system in place mm. just have a different face 
to front it. Whereas it, you're right, when Ainsworth is different. I mean, the reason I still say we, we went for Gareth, they've been training for years. And if you look at Hamlet's interview, they've obviously kept tabs on them and kept in touch with them and stuff. Is it they've obviously felt it was the right time, but also they had very little choice. There's a lot of heat on Les, there's a lot of heat on Lee Hughes, there's a bit of heat on the board. It had to be done. It had to be a popular choice because the board haven't spoke for ages. Along comes Gareth. They do a half an hour interview, which is fine and dandy, but it also shows you that they they kept their head down. But when it's going wrong, and then when they get a bit of good news, they come out. And I don't know. I I, I would I would respect them as well if they did it both times. When things are going wrong, speak to the fans. When things are going well, speak to the fans. You can't just come out with good news and do an interview for half an hour and say, do you know what? It's all been shy, but here comes Gareth. Everything's going to be better. And then that brings us on nicely to Saturday because. You look at what Gareth has got, he's got three people's squads, you know, and he's got um, layers in front of him and he's got to say, right, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Um, you've got Paul Hall on the bench. I'm, I'm still not sure what that's about because Paul Hall's a development officer. Not sure what he's doing on the bench. Um, are we lacking coaches now? So we're trying to make a number. I don't know. It's, it does seem a bit mad, doesn't it, that, that you know, that Pritchley and, and Ainsworth think that, you know, that they've come to the squad, they've come in, and they're going to give it a right go. But what's what's going wrong in the process? Because the players looked quite good at parts of Saturday. But then once it went wrong, it went very wrong again, didn't it, Nile? I mean, at the end of the day, just we fell apart again. Yeah, no, the whole thing, I mean, it's a microcosm of last season, isn't it? Where the first half, up until the end of January last season, up until the 44th minute on Saturday, everything was actually looking quite bright. And, you know, mm. we've gone behind... And I'd thought we go behind with a fuck. But actually, we went behind and we fought back and we put in some effort and we showed what looked like a desire to actually play well and to like mm. actually play for the play for the shirt. And then as soon as that second goal, I mean the defending on that second goal was just I mean, I've watched the video of the goal go in a couple of times. I mean, on, on the day, I was enjoying a few Guinnesses. It was Gareth Ainsworth's first day, and I thought, this will be a good fun day. I've never sobered up so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, it was what? just that defending was just... I, I mean, there, there was no one, not a single QPR player, the far side of the penalty spot. What's happened was, to Rob Dickey? What has happened yeah. to Rob Dickey? I mean, you know, nice guy. We own him. He was, you know, last August, he was, he's been, we thought we were going to sell him to a Premier League club for millions or whatever. I mean, the collapse in form, this is why I think there's something has gone on in the background without a shadow of a doubt. You know, players tweeting about Critchley and I just think there must be a toxic atmosphere in the training ground that Gareth Ainsworth has got to... Mm deal with and whilst we're talking about training ground and I'm not a conspiracy theorist but I'm going to hear people say that but it means they're going to say something because yes go on so is there something wrong with the new training pitches have you ever known so many hamstrings so now chair's gone out with the hamstring we have got um, so so many players out with the hamstring and they're all training on a brand new pitch that we're using for the first time this year and the squad is riddled with injuries, and they're all soft tissue things. To be honest, I, I wonder if that is somehow playing into it. Uh, do you know what, Phil? I, I often, I, I always remember what someone told me, an old player years ago, I won't name them, 
mainly because I can't remember who it was, but I can, but you know, that's a joke, just be myself, it's stupid. And when a team's doing well, no one's injured. Everyone's fighting fit, everyone's everyone's ready, everyone wants to come in, get the applause on Saturday, get the pat on the back, walk down the dressing room feeling like Billy Big Bollocks. When it's going wrong, God, do people go missing. Your hammy feels bad, your groin feels like it's about to go. And I think that was showing up with Willock. And the other thing a sports scientist will say to you, if you listen to podcasts and things, because they're so finely tuned these days, these athletes, bless them, you know, it only takes one little thing to go wrong and that's it, they're, they're done because they're so finely tuned and so developed and so watched. I don't know. It, is it bad luck? Is it bad preparation? Is it um, muscles not being warmed up properly or something? But it's, it's, it's a bit, it's a bit, it's, 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 it's a worry. Yeah, I no? mean, there's definitely, there's definitely, um, I mean, I think it kind of it feeds into that culture. I mean, I always think sort of certainly within business, when everything's going well, it's the easiest thing in the world to kind of manage people and to run a, run a company kind of thing. But once something creeps in and once something gets hold, it's really difficult to turn it around. And I do think, I know I'm kind of an analyst and everything's kind of all numbers based and kind of, you know, I have this, sort of matrix in front of me and wasn't ones and zeros and everything I see is like, like that but just just looking at kind of where we were the year before last like mm. um the year before covid 2020 may 2020 we had a salary bill of 20 million it's now 38% higher than that yeah we've gone nowhere We've spent the money on nothing. And it's kind of that utter lack of clarity about where we're going, what we're doing, how we're doing it, and why we're doing it kind of feeds into everyone. Like the players run out on the pitch and they're kind of like, well, why, why am I doing this? What's the, why am I here? And you kind of like, I can only think it's, it's that, that kind of thing is feeding down from the guys at the top. It's very depressing, but we're in a situation now where for the next few months, we've just got to get three wins from somewhere, stay in the, mm. the division and start again. And quite what the again. football will look, yeah, quite what the football will look like next year with Ainsworth, I don't know. I really hope he succeeds. And I, to be honest, if it's a little bit more direct and we're not passing the ball backwards and forwards to Dieng, Dung, Dickey, just, and they've mm. got the most passes on the pitch. I actually don't mind that for a bit. It might give us something to cheer about. But there was a clear plan, Niall, previous season. They'd had a real mm. punt on promotion. At ninth the previous season, Warburton was going to get them in top six. They knew exactly what they were doing. That went pear-shaped. They brought Beale in. He did the dirty on us. Critchley was not the right man, although it was very, you know, it was supposed to be a seamless thing. It was all the right kind of football. Now it's out and out panic. And the difficulty is we're now in a dogfight and you've got, you've got loans. You've got these kids learning on our time. And in a dogfight, I I mean, I've got this thing with, with academy kids, you know, they, they, they come through the academy. They've never played men's football. And, they just, they just look all at sea. And I, I put, I, I don't want to have a go at our players, but I put Dazelle in that category. Dazelle is clearly a very talented, technical footballer. But most of the time, he's completely anonymous because he's just not mad enough for the game. 
It just, the whole midfield passes him by. Where's one of the games, the game before last, he started as the deep line midfielder because Sam Field was weirdly out on the right when Critchley was still here. Mm. And for the first 20 minutes, Dazelle looked great. He was taking the ball because there was no pressure on him at all. He's pinging passes. He's clearly very technical. And then as soon as the game hotted up, he was so far out of his depth, which he always is. You know, so Erobenham, Laird, all these people have just gone missing now. They're just because it's it's now a fight and they're not up for a fight. They're they're academy kids learning their trade at our expense. I I think think Laird's an interesting one as well, because I think um, certainly on Saturday, I really enjoyed watching Aussie play. So did I. Yeah. I really, really, really enjoyed kind of seeing him, especially, I mean, in the standing in the, the lower loft. And so kind of, you know, he's running down the right wing right towards me in the first half. And he was he was ex- just unbelievable, like a, a different player, to be fair. He was and our if, best attacking player in the first half. Yeah, without a doubt. And if that kind of application graft can rub off on even just two, three other players, then... You know, something positive there, I think. The but trouble nuts. is, you, you, put, you, you put the way I see it as a season started, we put faith in having the big lad up front, Dykes up front, bring in Roberts and sure, and that can play around him and, and stuff, and Willick and everything else. It hasn't really worked. So then we've left Dykes has got injured. Roberts is so inconsistent and so not, doesn't seem to want to be here. Let's just call it out. He doesn't seem to want to be here. And it, and he's not an academy kid, Phil, is he? I mean, he's an experienced pro. He should be doing better than what he's doing. The same as Lowe should be doing better than what he's doing. It's it's a worry that these loans are coming in and they're not. Because I would have thought if you're a loan player, you want to come to Rangers, you want to stick yourself in the shop window, you want to you put yourself out there and say, look, listen, I can do this for you. But it seems to be having a different effect with us. We're relying on too many loans who at the end of the season, whatever happens to QPR, won't be here. Does that make sense? Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think Roberts falls into the kind of mercenary category. You know, the, you know when we were used to be the graveyard for the people at the end of their career, or who were just, you know, like Barson came out this week and said his least favourite club is QPR, he went there for the money. You know, what Tyler, Robert, Tyler Roberts, you know, Leeds didn't want him. They shipped him off somewhere. He's getting his wages paid. The shirt looks nice, blue and white hoops. Come down here. He is, he is a disgrace. He should be absolutely ashamed of himself. He just, even when he's fit to play, if he says he's fit to play, he clearly can't be asked. It's, you know, it's, it's shocking. I hope uh, there was, Ainsworth said something like, we need to suss out a few players or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah exactly. you, you read between the lines with that. What he actually means is we'll Take find out who, who can be asked to train and play and we're only going to pick the players who want to run around. You know, it's... See, the, th- the thing is, it's, it's, it's funny. Everything's a gamble, isn't it, now? They, we gambled on getting rid of Barbe and bringing in Clark Salter, but Clark Salter's game per injury isn't a good record, whereas Barbe was ever fit always uh, always dependable. Not sure about the wage difference. Someone up in the club would know that. I wouldn't have thought it would be that massive, but I could be wrong. But then he wouldn't be on the same when Robertson Noble was on. So you think about that. But then also the loans need to be right. And then I, I keep going back to it. They've got to the start of the season and then just panicked, got in these loans. The Richards loan is a strange one because I think we still have, we have to sign him regardless at the end of the season. 
and he hasn't played enough games to even form an opinion on him. It's it's bizarre. Yeah, but that yeah, that's all that, that's all well. Niall, no, no, that's fine. That's finances, isn't it? That one, because they they've got to pay a, a fee for him. So rather than put the fee into this financial year, if they loan him for one year and then buy him in June, it goes into the next financial year. That was the reason for that that deal. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly that. I mean, it's just shifting money around, isn't it? It's putting money into one year and not the other. That's why so, the scum. That's why the scum are busy signing people on seven and eight year contracts now. Yeah, so yeah. So, so they can spread it across eight years. Some of these exorbitant um, transfer fees. Yeah, well, well, Tony Richards is like twenty two. So I mean, it's you know, it's hard. I guess he's you could still class him as a bit of a kid, but then you know, Tyler Roberts. Is what, no, I'm not picking on Richards. I'm just saying it seems because he, he, he looked. Sorry, Sorry no, I was just thinking about Richards. I'm not, I don't want to pick up in the same way as I want to pick on Lee Hughes or pick on Les Ferdinand. I don't want to pick on anyone. I'm trying to find solutions rather than blame, but I'm, I'm kind of falling to Phil's mindset really <laughs> in the analysis as well, which shoots go the life of the both of you if I'm thinking along the same lines. But Richards is a kid, um, I know, but his injury record. I mean, when I spoke to a Brighton fan, I said, Oh, I think he's all right, but I don't really see him. I don't know. And it seems to be you're talking about injuries. I guess it doesn't really help when you bring injury-prone players to the club. Or is that harsh in the lad? And Roberts, I mean, Roberts not injury-prone. He just doesn't want to be here. But on Richards, I mean, is it? Could it just be a bad season for him, an injury-wise? No. Let, let's hope it is, because when I've seen flashes of it, I think he's. I think he could be a player. He very, very obviously had a massive falling out with Critchley, didn't he? You know, when Critchley's in a in a press interview saying the boy can't get himself going, and then immediately. Um, he the, the player is tweeting with a you know whatever it is confused face, so they clearly clearly disliked each other. But I mean you know on on our budget we're taking some a punt on some of these players, aren't we? So Jake Clark Salter, who by the way happened to go to the same junior school as my kids, um, <laughs> you know the, these kids that have been in the in the puppy farm at Chelsea, you know it's a mixture of ability, mentality, and durability, and he is clearly. Very, 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 very able. He's a very talented player and he seems to have the mentality for it, but he hasn't got the durability for it. He's constantly injured. So we're taking punts on such different types of players, though, as well. Like there's no consistency there. You could see Dunn and Dickey, there's kind of a level of like, you know, consistency in what we're getting. We kind of, you know, it's the same type of player that plays the same way. But then we bring in, you know, but then you say you take a punt on someone like Richards or Clark Salter, and it's like, well, they're just so much different from anything we've got. Yeah, and then there was a, the, the guy from Rangers that came in as a centre-half as well. He's he's on the missing list, injured. Elegant, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It'd be yeah, very he, interesting. To, it's very interesting to see if he now comes back, because I suspect he's another one who had the big Critchley falling out. There's something gone on behind that we don't know about. Maybe they see it's difficult, and this is a problem. But then, you know, if if someone can pull a squad together, let's 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 go into super positive mode, Phil. You know that bit yeah, the man yeah. used used to bring to the podcast the happiness or happy place, and that would be that if anyone can bring this squad together, it'd be Ainsworth. But also by doing that, he strengthens his own position for next season as well. If Ainsworth can get the wins, get the players playing, maybe he then can say to Les and the board, "Look, listen." Let let me do this. You concentrate in the academy and this, that, and the other. 
let me do the first team stuff and Ramsey and whatever Ramsey does and all this malarkey, they can focus on development and getting those kids into the first team. Or because it seems to me, I mean, I know I keep saying it, but if, if we're looking at where we're, we're losing money, surely that's that, that the loans we're bringing in have got to be eaten away the finance of the club. Surely now that's them loans now can't be a good thing, can they? Wage wise, yeah, it's got to be a big money. It's dead money, isn't it? It's pointless. It's, it doesn't get us anywhere. It doesn't improve anything. I mean, you know, a lot of people say, you know, are you bringing loans to kind of add something to the team or to kind of help with the younger players? But when the loan you're bringing in is 19, he's not helping anyone else, is he? All, no. all you're doing is helping his the club that owns him. But I do no. think, going back to Ainsworth and looking for that bit of positivity, because I do think we, we need something positive to hold on to, without a doubt. Here's a, here's a question. Ainsworth is used Sorry. to playing the theme tune, singing the theme tune, writing the theme <laughs> tune. He is every man for every occasion. And but so you know the good... If anyone can save some money, if anyone can pull together a plan, if anyone can actually get something coherent to drive towards and work towards, it's him. He's perfect. And Finney, think... Finney, I'll give you some other. Phil the optimist, especially for you, look. If you, if you take a snapshot of where QPR are right this very moment, okay, with the shambles of the squad, the injuries, the one win in 19, whatever... If and you're only thinking about the next few months to the end of the season. If you say playoffs, I swear to God, I'll scream. No, <laughs> and, and, and you had to and you had to pick someone to come and galvanise the place and get into a dogfight. Let's make no bones about it. We're in a dogfight. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of anyone better than Gareth Ainsworth. Yeah, I really I can't. And I was watching because I'm sad. It was on in the background on Sky Sports. No, you're not, saw, Phil. You're happy. I saw Rotherham Swansea earlier this week. I watched that. Right. That's yeah, good. I watched that as well, yeah. And I thought, oh my God. I was thinking, I had Rotherham down as their one. That's one of our three points. Hmm. And I was looking at that game thinking, jeepers, away, we have got our work cut out. So going back to the positive bit, Finney, if you wanted anyone to take lead us into a dogfight away at Rotherham, which, let's be candid, that's exactly what it is, it would be Ainsworth. My worry you know? is... My worry yeah. is, is we haven't got a midfield. No. We, we, you know, we've got a kid who's learning, who has flashes of brilliance, Tim Arobenham, but he goes missing for great swathes of it and he's a liability. We've got one midfielder that I, you know, I suppose Field, is, Field does a very good job. Johansson, I had so, he is, when he's fit and playing well, he's our midfield. Mm-hmm. And he took the pitch on Saturday, but he's, he wasn't at his normal, efficient self, was he? He's um he's he's always two tackles away from a red card, isn't he? And that's maybe a state of mind thing as well because he's he's trying to do all the extra work himself. And him, I think him and Phil will work together. That 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 to me is a good combination. But going back to Rotherham now, I, I I was going to talk about this later on, but as you mentioned him, I watched that game, Phil, and and and. Now and I was scared because they, they, the first attack they had, they almost scored. They, <laughs> they, they, they the, the Swansea keeper knew he was in the game, and Hugo absolutely battered their centre halves. And it was a good job yeah. he got booked early, early doors. What we want is him to get booked early Saturday, because he, I think he's realised he can't shoot for toffee, so he's probably better just to rough people up and then just try and play the ball on. I wish I hadn't said that now. I really, really wish I hadn't said that because I know what's going to happen now. And say, shut up, Paul. 
but you know, Rotherham are not a bad side. I mean, funny enough, they'd have they'd allowed their side. I don't know if he's known the the kid that was the really tall kid. He was outstanding in their midfield, and the back four looked organised. Everything that we're the trouble is, and the irony of it is, the Critchley's points might be the thing that keeps us up. Now, there's irony for you, and the start we had to the season. But this can't continue into next season. And I'm looking at Ainsworth and I'm thinking, I know that everyone said it was a punt forward, but then look at the players he had. He's, he would like to think he's got more QPR they can work with. He's, he can bring in other players. If you look at Warnock when he came to the he's had that horrible reputation. But yet the football under Warnock was actually all right. He won the league. You can't argue with that. So I'll settle for a bit of both. I mean, the tippy-tappy stuff and then Senny gets it and then whacks it up and then it comes straight back at him is ridiculous. We've got to, there's got to be a better way of playing football. I know it's all very modern these days that goalkeepers have to be like Beckenbauer and be able to pass from the back, but it's a flipping nonsense sometimes. Just, and the, you know, the, the length of time he takes to throw a ball out and stuff is, it's just a confidence that we just need to get a few wins. Start it. Remember that word rebuild every season with QPR, 11 players in, 11 player out. Oh, shade. Let's bring seven loans in and let's hit the panic button. Philly, even even Dieng, who was one of the best keepers in the division at one point, mm-hmm. it, his confidence looks shot. I mean, you look at the, you see, some of the goals. You know, that, one of the goals against Sunderland, where a very routine thing he just dropped and the, the, the striker's foot and he scored. You know, I don't know what it is. They just. I'm hoping that Gareth Ainsworth will just he's got a clear week's training. Mm. Uh, did you did you watch that video of him training last week? Every yeah. time, every time they lost possession, he was shouting tight, tight, and trying to get them into a tight unit. Oh my god, that that goal on the forty fourth minute of the weekend that we were anything but tight. So maybe he'll have a week to do something. And, I did, and you know, and we can turn it on at Rotherham. That's got to be the hope. I think, you, 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 funny enough, I did point in my drunkenness on Saturday. I was like, do we actually have a goalkeeping coach? Because I was wondering, you know, Kelly, Lumley, um, Ingram, you know, they can't all have the same faults. They can't, they, they go to other clubs. We played all this, I thought bloody Pat Jennings was playing, not bloody Ingram, you know. <laughs> we, are, you know. we are so good at absolutely ruining a goalkeeper's confidence. You look at, I mean, even, even Lumley, when he came back to us, when he was like that goal he conceded at the loft end, where it basically conceded because everyone was shouting at him. It's like, <laughs> we, we have this unique talent to like absolutely ruin a goalkeeper. And Sani is going that way on Saturday. Kakai was, he was the only player on that side of the pitch. And he just held on to the ball and waited for everyone to get back into position. And like a quick throw out, we would have been away down Crossing, obviously, goal. <laughs> of course, now because football's that simple. Just not seeing that, it's so it's so frustrating. But is that is that is that again confidence, though, guys? You know what I mean? Is that yes. another? You know, I, I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to make a mistake. So hold on, but then I thought to the wrong player. Oh shit! I've made a mistake. Do you know what I mean? It's trying so hard not to that you actually are. But you know, going back to the other point, Kelly Dumbly and Ingram and him. It would be nice to see him go the other way, not this way. So what are we doing wrong? It's a conf- it's a confidence thing. The whole the whole okay. squad confidence is shot. I'm 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 really hopeful that Ainsworth will, you know, I'm not convinced that I buy this thing that we're gonna be like Cambridge or or the crazy game Wimbledon. I think he'll play with know. what he'll, he'll play with what he's got. That's my hope. I you know, I can't I don't want to I think Rob Dickey. 
you know, out of a kindness to him, he's dropping at the moment. And mm. ideally, Balogun would come back. Or, because I really worry about our midfield, if we had three fit centre-halves, I'd play a back three. And that way, the two full-backs are, uh, are by the very nature further forward. So they crowd the midfield a bit more. But I, I just, I, you know, hope and pray. Because when Balogun's played, we've been, we've been actually quite solid. Clean sheets. Ro- clean sheets though, you know, Rob Dickey at the weekend, he had the ball at his feet and passed it straight to the opposition at least twice. And the whole team is in a scare and then sprinting back towards their own goal. You know, for, what, for whatever reason, he needs a rest. But there's nobody think, else. Yeah, I do think they play both Dickey and Dharma definitely much better in a three. Definitely more suited to a three. And he, even dropping Sam Field back and, and making a three with those three probably would be an improvement defensively. You don't think Sam's a winger then? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, that was just bizarre. But also, I'll tell you what's bizarre about that. One, the decision is bizarre, okay? But two, if you had a choice of putting Sam Field in the middle of midfield... And Dazelle on the wing, or Dazelle in the middle of midfield, and Sam Field on the wing. You've got to be drunk. You must. You, <laughs> he must. He must have been drunk when he picked that side to put Dazelle in midfield and Sam Field out wide. I mean, it, it, it just it beggars belief. He needed sacking just for that. I think. Yeah, I think, yeah but yeah. Funny enough, at Middlesbrough, that's exactly what he did. Oh, I don't know. It's it's now before we go on to predictions and all that sort of thing. I just want to pose a question, firstly to Niall, then to you, Phil. When you read those accounts now, that jumps out of you at £450,000 a week we're losing. Hi, if the owners do decide, you know what, it's not working, we're going to concentrate on our American size or whatever they've got or whatever they own, we're in the ship, basically, we? we're liquidation if they pull the money out because there's not going to be a lot of people who would want to come in to, to, unless they want to sell the ground, turn us over. I don't even, by doing that, I don't even know if that would... You know, we're losing so much money and so in debt now. Are we sellable? That's the question I've gone around the yeah. with. We're kind of, we're kind of quite, we're reasonably privileged. So because of profit and sustainability, because of accounting rules, because of things kind of tightening up on that regard over the last few years, they've actually had to sign a bond to say they will fund the club in its entirety for a certain period of time. I think it runs out um, the end of the season 2024. So May okay. 2024, I think this this kind of the, the current sort of bond that they've got. And basically, you know, before that, before we get to that times limit, they're going to have to again sign something to say we will fund the club you know, we acknowledge this is our money we're spending, so we will cover these costs kind of things. I mean, as far as buying it, as far as someone coming in to buy, buy QPR, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, it's it's going to be, you know, what 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 are you buying it for? What are you What are you aiming to get? Like, there's always kind of, a motive to be questioned. I think at the moment we have actually a bunch of guys who have, I mean, they bought it because it was a Premier League club ostensibly, we'd just been promoted when the purchase went through. You know, they saw this big kind of pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and kind of went for it. I think, I mean, definitely a couple of them at least have fallen in love with the club. 
and actually kind of are very much kind of proud of what they have and what they're building and what they're working towards, whether that kind of involves a stadium at some point or not is another matter. I mean, it would be good for them to actually, in the short term, invest a bit of money in what we've got to make life a bit more comfortable for everyone. But, you know, they're, they're putting money into the training ground. They're kind of, you know, they are showing willingness to actually take the club forward and to look after and to be kind of, you know, good, honest owners, really. I think anyone that comes in, you're going to have to question why they're doing it. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, are they looking to kind of sell the ground, build some flats, ground share with like someone else or to, you know, any number of, any number of things i mean we, you've seen it happen to so many other clubs and you're seeing it happen to so many clubs at the moment yeah totally. trying to buy them and thankfully the owners show no signs of going anywhere which yeah. is you know which is marvelous and let's hope they keep writing two million pound checks a month rather than than me it's 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 a tricky one because you know you look at why clubs get sold and brought and not that I'm saying we should be but I say I'm trying to address everything you see in social media we need new owners we need this we need that I'm thinking that we need to not have a revolution just have an evolution is the way I'm thinking for next season and just quietly get things a little bit more tighter with cash and if people need to go they need to go it's, everything's got to be done for the best of QPR and um let me, ask you a, let, let, me ask you a question, let me ask you a question. I know you don't want to be down on, on Les. He's the only one out of the whole management structure and everything that I've got an issue with at the moment. Mm-hmm. You're, the entire football operation of QPR that we all devote endless amounts of money to and time and emotion, okay? The manager reports to him, all the junior set up, everything. We've got somebody in that key role, which is the top of everything football, who's learning on the job, who's never done it before. If you were running a business that was costing you £2 million a month to run, would you have an absolute novice in that position? I wouldn't. The very first thing I'd change is I'd go out and get an experienced director of football. Hmm. I, do, I do question the kind of noviceness. Of, I mean, he's, you know, he's done a lot of... Um, he's got a lot of education behind him for it. I know it's kind of... It's not he's not had a director of football job, but he has studied, he has passed exams, he has kind of got qualifications to do what he's doing. So and I hold qualifications quite quite high as far as things go. But I agree with you a hundred percent in that the situation we're in now and where we are now and the money we're spending now surely it makes more sense to have someone who has been there, done that, and got the T-shirt. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going back to Phil's question, I I, I said from day one, you know, I got accused of being anti-Lez. He hadn't been a manager. He hadn't been, as far as I know, an assistant manager, coach, and them levels for a length of time, and and worked with players day to day. That was, I thought he was like an ambassador at Spurs. That was my ignorance, I don't know. Um... Obviously, he did have he did do things at Spurs coaching wise, and that's fine. But it would be hard for him to tell someone like Warnock what to do. 
if Warnock had a stay, you know, if they'd done it with Warnock, if they'd done it with the experienced managers. So that's why they're going down the route of head coaches. But also, I do wonder if he was looking over his shoulder at Wolverton last season and thinking, I wonder if this guy is going to get my job. Yeah. I, I don't know if this is true. I don't know if the board would think like that. They like Wolverton or like Les. I have no idea. And I wonder if that was maybe one of the reasons why Les are thinking, you know, because Wolverton obviously is stepping up that level he's got the certain age and he'll be looking at director football he's done it before as well so I wonder if there's a bit of that going on but you know the best response for Les is to shove the words down my throat which at the moment is he should be questioned for the role that he's doing he's been there for eight years we aren't bringing the players through that we should be we we aren't washing our face and being able to sell players and neither setting the model that we want to follow is Brentford but we're only doing that because it worked for them back in the day that you know we're now having to go back we're going back to square ones what we were doing for eight years you know we got we got Eze he wasn't a youth player he, he, he third play but then if you look at the transfer players players we've got in the Sillies the Washingtons the Bonds and everything else the, the, the transfer record has got to be pretty bad in profit and loss so if you judge him on that that might not look so good and if it hadn't been for Eze it would have looked disastrous what, what he has done well is is cleared the cancerous um, kind of journeymen and mercenaries and graveyard footballers. I mean, he's slashed the costs. He's, he's done that, you know, very well. Mm-hmm. His, his original brief was to keep halving mm-hmm. the wage um, bill and keep us in the championship. He's done that very, very well. But, yeah. you know... Doesn't it feel like we've kind of gone through that pain? We got to a point where we were on a really good level a couple of years ago, and now we're back to... Well, we've got to take the pain again. Well, yeah. but no, but no, this is what's so depressing because you know mm. who's saying this morning we had a punt at it last year. That I remember on Loft for Words, Clive was was writing along the lines of you know that was our that was our tilt at it. We, we're not going to have another tilt at it for a few seasons. It's, <laughs> you see these accounts and it's horribly real, isn't it? You know, unless unless being the optimist, Ainsworth. Pulls a type of footballer out of the ether that is is going to generate one win, one loss, one win, one loss, two wins, one loss. You know, you never know. We might we might do something extraordinary. And, but, and, and you know, the thing is, what I would judge things on is everyone keeps saying striker, striker, striker. The fact that eight years down the line from relegation, we're still saying striker, striker, striker tells me we haven't filled that void. You know, we haven't had that 20 goal, 15 goal. And people say, but you need to spend £10 million and £15 million. Well, Luton haven't. So, you know, you're just going to bring the right people in. I mean, it's interesting now, you know, when you look at what Millwall and Luton are doing, and God, that hurts me to say that, but they, they do have a lot of youth in the system. So why they seem to be able to bring players through and we're not, as well is, is is strange and then the same category. I don't know, the whole thing's just weird because every time you go over an avenue, you say, well, I, we're, we're going to do this, we're going to do it, but how come they're making it work and we're not? You know, like, Luton lose their manager the same way we did. They they kicked on. They they, they stepped the course. We uh, completely nosed off. The wage bill about half of ours as well. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> really? I didn't think it was that much lower. Is it really that much lower now? Yeah, it well, last year, last year, last year it was. Yeah. Oh Jesus, man! See, that's just depressing. Right? Can yeah. I ask you? A, can I ask you a creativity question about football? Nothing to do with the finances. Go on. With, Will- with Willock out injured and Chair out injured, as we saw on Saturday, Dazelle is not a replacement for Chair. In fact, I'm not sure Dazelle's a replacement for anything. Um, <laughs> but but where is our creativity coming for at the weekend? 
No. Uh, well, this is why we have players like Low. No. This is why we have players like Roberts. Roberts. Um, you know, the, this was, I mean, Roberts, Roberts was meant to be another kind of one in that in that same number 10 mold, wasn't he? That kind of creative, go anywhere, do anything. Well, yeah. forget Roberts. He's never going to fancy that coach trip, is he? He's no, he's going nowhere. Maybe if you tell me he's going to the other New York, he might be more interested. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's time. Maybe it's time for Taylor Richards to you know shine. He came on again. Was it? Who was it? Was it Huddersfield or somewhere where he came on at home with twenty minutes and had the most outstanding twenty minutes? He thought, oh wow, there's a footballer there. And then mm. we've seen we've seen nothing else for months. Well, he was on Twitter. Like Critchley. <laughs> that was about it. No, it's 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 listen, I guess this is why this is a massive problem. It is. And you do think with Vendorf as well, I mean he loves the club, he, he, he gets it, he'll just you don't need to and the assistant manager is a QPR fan. These people you do not need to go and tap them on the shoulder and say, Listen, this isn't good enough. They know they don't need to be told. And that's my only hope in a small grasp of this, is that they 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 get it, they understand that they will make it better, they have to make it better. Because if it gets worse, we're in big trouble. Because if we do get sucked into a relegation battle, if by some horrible chance of typical QPR fate, the points are higher than they should be, and we do go down, we can't survive League One. It'll be chaos. It'll be curtains. It'll be all everything bad. So we have to stay up. But Phil hit a very good nail on the head. It's worried me. Have this lot got the battle for it? And they need to stand up starting on Saturday and show they have. I mean, Jimmy Dunn has. There's no question about that. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, uh, Fielder's got it. You know, they, they've got it. I mean, Kakai's got it. I can tell. I know people love to slide the kid off, but you know, hopefully after running games and after getting a few good ones, he can start to develop properly. We talk about development. Well, there is one for you. So that's that's a positive. I um, thought Kakai. I thought Kakai. I agree with Niall. You know, he made some mistakes and he was very exposed at times. But that's partly yeah. the system. I thought he was one of the best games he's had. And it was a yeah. joy watching him. I mean, what has happened to Laird? I know he's injured now, but at the beginning of the season, you just thought, oh my word, he's going to be like a Kyle Walker loan. This kid yeah, is special. Yeah, yeah. I, I sat there with, I was sitting in row A of, of the upper loft in P block. So I'm like you, Niall, I see the, the winger coming down. I watched the Millwall game a few weeks ago with Tom, my son. And we looked at the, we looked at the clock because it was the 85th minute that Laird finally discovered he could just knock the ball past the fullback and he was quicker than him, he could run round him. The 85th minute, it was just extraordinary. It's like the brain's trust. It's like, mm. it, it, some, I don't know why some experienced pro didn't say to him, have you tried running past him? Because you're considerably quicker than him. He is, he's fallen to pieces. So I, I thought Kakai was a bit of a ray of light on Saturday until the shed collapsed again when we went 2-1 we went down and everything went pear-shaped. Uh, I mean, you just knew it was going to happen, didn't you know? Sam yeah. Gallagher hasn't scored probably for accident 10 games on it. And just someone said that I heard someone said, talk about that or something. Oh, Gallagher hasn't scored for ages. And then I, I thought, I'm going home. I know what's going to happen. And blow well, and behold, oh, it well, happens. You, you know, Saturday we've got Hoogle and Washington. I was so, going to say, do you know when the last time Connor Washington scored? <laughs> <laughs> Washington at the New York Stadium against Queen's Park Rangers, yep. But is, is, is Grant Hall there? Where's Grant Hall these days? I swear he's at Rotherham, but I could be wrong. Yeah, he's at Rotherham as well, yeah. He won't be playing, will he? He'll be injured. He's bound to be injured. He's got to be, isn't he? I mean, you know, he's alive, but injured. 
This is like gallows humour at the moment, isn't it? It's just... <laughs> it's, do you know what? It's, what? it's QPR, isn't it? It's what it does to you. You know, it's, it's, it's the, the, you know, it's the John Cleese clip, isn't it? It's, it's, it's you know, it's the hope that kills you. It's, just, it's been like that for years, but something's got... My worry is that while we rightly take it in a stride and, and laugh about it, because that's how you cope with it, we can't afford to get really good at it. And I, I keep saying that, and I think, you know... Tony, and, and, it's not, it's not going to happen. I hope not. And the other thing is, sacking Critchley could actually take us over FFP, I wonder, as well. Now, that would be QPR. That would be... I just wonder if we could do a deal on that one. You know, it's it's kind of like... That would be the most QPR thing to happen as well, like get fined for sacking your manager. Well, no, we've had... I mean, we got, you know, we got to pay off the bill. We got some money for the guys going to the World Cup. I don't, I don't think it was that tight this year. But... And, and, also, and also, we're not going to... I mean, normally when you sack a manager, you pay them month to month as if you're still employing them. So you kind of pay them their wage until they get a new job. So you, they don't get a lump sum generally. I could take a you lump. Won't, you won't pay them off. Uh, I mean, I guess we might do things differently. But I think Critchley probably will get a job shop, which is a number two somewhere in a youth development centre yeah, or yeah. something like that. He will. So let's hope someone's... Because I think it's brilliant. And I think anyone who's not a QPR fan to this podcast should employ him tomorrow. If if, if, that, <laughs> if that, he'll do he'll do wonders for them, and uh, anyone that can make Mark Phil the winger gets my vote every time. Um, right here we go, Phil, your R's end, and then we'll go to predictions. Um, well, my my R's end was I because I tend to you know look at the crowd. It was great to have a three o'clock on Saturday. The um, it was brilliant with the safe standing and everything in P block, Belethus being sold out. I loved the banners beforehand. We'd sold the school end lower and the crowd was cracking. They all turn up. We happened, This happened recently. There's the first three o'clock on Saturday for ages and we had a great crowd. And then, of course, we lose. It's very depressing. My R's end is that all those people who were there at the weekend and it was a good crowd all come back again next time because I know I sound like Finney here that we desperately need the crowd and we need the atmosphere, but we do. That's exactly mm-hmm. what we do. We make no bones about it. We're in a dogfight now. Everyone loves Ainsworth. We've got to give them a chance. I just hope that we can keep... The ground wasn't full, but it was as close to it as we get these days. What you don't want is the next home game to be 3,000 less people there. So I'm my R's end is I hope that all those people who made the effort and turned up on Saturday just suck it up. That was Ainsworth's first game. Let's get back down there every week until the end of the season and let's give it a shout and see if we can make a difference. Reduce. Now? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, my R's end, I guess, is that when I, I, I've been doing kind of this Twitter thing where I do the finances for like the last six, seven years or so, and it gets kind of various amounts of attention. And it's amazing how you can kind of almost tell where we are in the league by how much attention it gets. We like <laughs> yes. to catastrophize. We like to catastrophize. We like, you know, when things are going wrong, we want them to go really wrong. I mean, I know a lot of people are calling for Lee and Les to go. And, you know, there's a lot of kind of unsettledness within the fan base and within the club. I mean, the thing is ultimately why we're all here. We're all here to watch football. We're all here to see... QPR win as much as possible. If we can win more than we lose, then what more can you ask for? So all I my R's end really is to just ask for a bit of perspective and just say, 
don't get yourselves all in a knot. Don't get all tied up by, you know, a pound there, a million pounds there, a million pounds there. It's not your money. The people whose money it is kind of know, you'd, you'd like to think, a kind of have a level of control over what they're doing. And ultimately, for us, it's about the football and about enjoying those Saturday afternoons, going to the pub, having a few drinks, hopefully not getting stuck on the um, central line. <laughs> and uh, that was shocking. Yeah, next next three home games are three o'clock. So, so yourself out the central line. It was shocking on Saturday. Yeah. Shocking it was. Yeah, now I've got to disagree with you there. Not the central line because that was shade. <laughs> When you say it's not the money, I would say those who paid towards the trading ground, Istanbul stands, the season ticket holders, and the people who travel up and down the country, we do put our money in. I know you're not saying that, and we do, and it's not our money. But if it was my money and I was facing that sort of loss, I'd I'd be panicking. But I get your point. But like we, I think it's the trouble. Yeah, no, my point wasn't to denigrate. I mean, you know, we all pay a lot of money to. I know, mate. I'm just being. I'm just being funny. That's very much not my point. The point is, is that. It's kind of, it's nice to, you know, it's 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 a form of source of discussion. It's something to kind of get a bit depressed about. But well, here's, here's a question for you now, as, after my failed attempt at trying to make a laugh, but yeah, I never failed that <laughs> one. Um, the, um, if they're looking at next season for season ticket prices, they'd be absolutely insane to, to, to put a rise up, wouldn't they? They'd be, that's, oh, do you think we could be looking at more increases to, so we can invest in more players? There's a good question for you. It doesn't. Uh, there's not enough money from it. There really isn't. Okay. If you, I mean, I did some workings yesterday because I was just in, intrigued by how much our costs had grown from the COVID year, and you have to put a lot of that down to the price of running the stadium on a Saturday. So if we get 5.6 million in from ticket sales. You're probably spending three and a half million or more just keeping the stadium, just opening the doors in the stadium to let everyone in. And you're lucky, Bill. Yeah, lucky, Bill. Whatever else. So I mean, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna fund new players from increasing season tickets. I mean, the thing is, the best, my point of view, keep the punters happy. Yes. Yes, well, that's from this podcast. That's obviously going very well. Um, <laughs> no question there. My, my RZ is very simple. I think it was beautiful what the club did Saturday. I know we've had a conversation about the negativity, but what they did for Don High on Saturday and Jim Smith was was beautiful. There's another way to describe it. You know, seeing the images on Twitter and seeing how happy it made the families. I mean, I know Jim is remembered for one bad game that we didn't ever talk about and stuff like that there. But he did do a lot of good for the club. Don Howe was an amazing person at QPR. He doesn't get the credit he deserves so so richly for what he did at Rangers. And I, I loved what Don Howe did. And you could really tell he loved working with them players. But well done, Rangers, and that. The Forever Rs and the people involved in that are just such a, a shining light in a dark tunnel at times because that was an amazing thing they did. So thank you as a fan for doing that and I, I really thought that was special and wonderful so that that was my odds end I'm just going to have the one this week because I can't be arsed to have any more because I'll probably make everyone depressed and if I try not to do it like the last one now it's just not going to work so I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm not going to do that now we're going to um, Rotherham Saturday now before I, I saw Rotherham I was going to go for a 2-0 win 
So I'm changing my mind. I'm not predicting anything because God knows what's going to happen. I want a 2 0 win. We badly need a 2 0 win. I'll pray for a 2 0 win, but I'll take a 1 0 on goal. Now. Oh, man. I, yeah, after watching them play the other day, I mean, I know Swansea and all that, and they piss us around, but I, I'll be, I'll be happy with a point just to show some positive direction of travel. I'd take a nil-nil at this. I'd take a clean sheet. Jesus. Just just stop letting in three goals every fucking week. Please. <laughs> That's possibly the best prediction ever, just for that last bit at the end. Follow that, big man. Well, I'm going to come fill the optimist at you now. But, okay. but not necessarily for Saturday. From the next nine points... That's called a bottle job, that is. No, it's not. There's, <laughs> there's logic to this, right? And the next nine points, and you're really? going to think you're going to think I'm on acid or something here. I think we're going to get five because he's. We've got a game on Saturday. Then Ainsworth has got another clear whole week with the team, right? Uh-huh. So, I I think we're going to get a draw away at Rotherham, which will be. You know, something like a 1-1. It's not going to be high scoring. And then we've got Watford at home and everyone thinks we're going to get our arse handed to us. But I actually reckon that we're going to get a draw against Watford. Mm-hmm. And then we've got Blackpool away and we're going to win. So I reckon we're going to get one point, one point, three points, five points out of nine. And all the pressure will be lifted. But I can't, I can't see us going to Rotherham and getting a win. I hope I'm wrong, but I can see us scoring first and then the shed collapsing again, and D- Dicky having another brain fart, and something, you know, or Dieng be caught scratching his ass, and the ball goes past him or something. So we're going to get a draw on Saturday, draw against Watford, beat Blackpool. Yeah, tell you what, you got you got some dealer, haven't you? Jesus, yeah. <laughs> um, you're only supposed to predict one game, but hey, hope we'll take that. You know, yeah. oh, Lord, well, listen, it could have been a lot more depressing this podcast. Um, now, thank you for making sense of them accounts and for also trying to put some hope back into them after the the losses. I do appreciate it. It was very kind of you to come on and do that. And Phil, brilliant as always. And uh, we, we do miss you. Not, I've, got, I've got to get you on more often because, you know, just, just a ray of sunshine you are. Well. <laughs> and then you just <laughs> come out with an absolute classic like that. Brilliant. I love it. I feel so much better. Sod, brother, and we're going to draw against Blackpool. Brilliant. I look forward to that. Right, lads, enjoy your weekends. Let's hope Rangers don't ruin it, and I'll see you both again soon. Thanks for popping on. This has been Open All Hours. Come on, you ours. Let's freaking win. Yeah.